Hey everybody, and welcome to Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network presents Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, episode 32, covering the week of November 20, or the day of, rather, November 28th, 1992, WWF Superstars and WCW Saturday Night. I'm one half of the hosting squad, Kobe Nida, and as always, I'm joined here with Dave Rosenbluth from Kicking Out It 2. Dave, how's it going? It's I'm doing good, my man. Thanksgiving weekend, uh, very nice, relaxing weekend uh, to partake in. Uh, hope you had a good holiday. Hope everyone's listening had a good holiday, and uh, hope you guys are in for some. Hope you guys are ready for some, uh, you know, so, some retro pro wrestling fun that we like to do here because we're 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 creeping up on the season finale next week. Dude, we are. This is the uh, this is the the penultimate, the end, the end of the trip yeah. on that magic school bus. Exactly. We got one last kid on the back of the bus ready to drop off. Snot nose, uh, little uh, Kobe. Get off the fucking bus. Yeah, because no, yeah. he can't predict too many of these finishes anymore. He can't. He can't think he could just control the territory and book all the finishes. You <laughs> exactly. know, because the fucking Rick Martels and the Tatankas of the world are, are are getting really upset with him right now. Same with the big boss man and the nails. Also, the uh, Johnny B. Bads and the. Uh... Scotty Tuatis or Flamingos. The Scotty Flamingos. Yeah, boy. <laughs> oh, man, we've had some fun here. I hope everybody else has. It's, 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 it's an evergreen podcast. You can start from episode one and go all the way through. Um, it never feels like we're out of date with anything because we're, 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 we're a retrospective pro wrestling podcast. And uh, speaking of retrospective pro wrestling podcast, Dave, what's going on in kicking out of two land? All right. Uh, last week we had ourselves a fantasy Survivor Series booked uh, show. It was Survivor Series 1992 reimagined, where I, I I put my fantasy booking skills to the test, uh, probably for the first and the last time on kicking out at two. And uh, I rebooked the 1992 Survivor Series card with all Survivor Series elimination matches. That was the first year that they had strayed away from that format, and they only had one classic Survivor Series elimination match. So I decided to rebook the whole card with the roster that they currently had throwing a little a few surprises here and there try to be a little realistic within that time frame and that timeline and uh yeah i had myself a little fantasy booking party all by myself so you can find that in the archives over at the retromania pro wrestling podcast network um uh, this week we have ourselves uh uh, a family reunion of sorts. I'd like to call it all in the kayfabe family with the Thanksgiving holiday upon us. It is all about family. It's all about being together. And I thought, let's talk about the family pairings that the promoters and bookers put together in the history of professional wrestling with all in the kayfabe family, Undertaker and Kane, Edge and Christian, the Dudley boys, all the pairings of, of, of men and women that have been put together by the promoters and bookers and told, go out there and be brothers, be siblings, be relatives, whatever. Let's talk about their mark on wrestling history as as uh, family members, so to speak. So you could find that also in the archives at the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. And next week, next week, if you like, this this goes against everything that I really try to make kicking out of two all about. Uh, I'm gonna totally shit on one of the worst pay per views in the history of professional wrestling. I just recently watched. ECW's December to Dismember from 2006, and I'm going to give you my Blind Date Diary, my recap, because it's part of the Blind Date Diary series here on <laughs> Kicking Out at 2, or should I say on Kicking Out at 2, because we're not here on Kicking Out at 2, we're on Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors, of course. You always um, live with us, Dave. <laughs> well, well, thank you. I appreciate Always in that. our souls. But yeah, so um, I just recently watched that show for the first time from beginning to end. Now, the, for those of you that are unaware what the Blind Date Diaries are, I watch a show from start to finish that I've never watched before, and then I give you guys my recap, my Blind Date Diary, so to speak. Um, I've seen little clips from that show here and there, but I've never, <clears throat> excuse me, <clears throat> excuse me, Never watched that show from start to finish, so I watched it recently, and um, spoiler alert, it was one of the worst things I ever saw. So uh, you'll get to hear my recap next week on Kicking Out It Too. And for, for all links to archive shows, Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network, Retro with a W, of course. Um, also hit us up on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash Kicking Out It Too, as well as our Twitter handle at Kicking Out Too. Yes, indeed. And I will say <laughs> that the, uh, the fantasy book... Survivor Series was actually fun, a lot of fun. I listened to that one, um, and you know I'm a fan of fantasy booking. Made a lot of sense. Um, 
fantasy wise, logically, you know, booking the the territory the way that you would want to, and you actually did the grand finale, Soul Survivor, which I'm a huge fan of. I think they should Same bring here. that back. Oh yeah, same here. I thought that that was a that was a um, an underrated concept. Yeah. <clears throat> Excuse me, as I'm losing my voice here, I don't know what's going on. It's okay. Um, we're we're both uh, maybe feeling uh, the the effects <coughs> of that tryptophanifall of the turkey or whatever. Yeah, the tryptophan put the big finish on me. I'm having trouble kicking out at two right now. <laughs> Jesus. Um, also, the the um, the the podcast, the Blind Date Diaries one. I'm so surprised that you never saw December to Dismember. Um, you know, it's funny. I watched the years ago um, when I was young and single and I was living at home. My my younger brother. Um, he would get a lot of the DVDs that came out. If we didn't order the pay-per-views, he would buy them on DVD, and I did the same thing. So, like, we had our own WWE network for quite some time. Um, and uh, just like a lot of people did, um, if you're a big hardcore wrestling fan, tape trader. So that's a that's a very retro term, tape traders. But anyhow, um, yeah, so he bought the DVD, and I just remember, like, when the pay-per-view um aired and people were talking about it. it's like oh so it's terrible it was the worst thing that they ever put out so i was like let me let me at least check out the chamber match so i watched the chamber match and the 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 tag team match with the hardys and m&m and i was like oh like this isn't terrible but it's not great either um and i didn't watch the rest of the show but then i was like let me try and find two hours of my time so um I told my wife, I got to go watch something really bad, and then I have to recap it for the podcast. So, um, you know, if you, if you hear me in the basement going, oh, shit, what the fuck are they doing there? You're going to know why. So, um, so yeah, so pretty much that I, I sat through two hours and 14 minutes of one of the one of the, the worst pay-per-views in all of wrestling history, and uh, you'll all get to find out just how bad it really was, match by match, blow by blow, next week on Kicking Out of Two. Very cool. Uh, yeah, I'm pretty sure I've 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 absorbed every single uh, thing as far as like network special or pay per view on the network. Uh-huh. Uh huh. Even like the WCW stuff. Yup. Yeah. There. Really. Uh, when I uh, I remember when I first got it, I am so OCD. I started from the oldest date I could and went back and forth between WWF and WCW uh, oh, wow. pay per views, and then had the clashes in between. Um, oh wow! So yeah, it was Damn, uh, dude. It was a lot of uh, viewing habits for me. Uh, that's all I would watch when I first got the network. Do you want to know something? The 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 most consistent in terms of like timeline and time frame of watching content on the network is by doing this show by watching Superstars and Saturday Night. That's the most consistent I've ever been. Yeah. When it comes to like like this is this is my time. Like I tell some friends like I do this this podcast and I'm like oh like if you like the old like there's a buddy of mine named Jim. I said he likes a lot of the old WCW even this period 1992. I said listen to what you know I do with Kobe and. Uh, I go, you'd be surprised at some of the stuff that, like, I'd never even heard of or seen before. And um, he, he watches some of the 92 stuff as well. He was like, oh, my God, I didn't know Dan Spivey was in WCW. Yeah. I didn't know the Barbarian wrestled Ron Simmons for the world title. So, like, it's kind of funny that, like, as much as you think you remember what you watched as a kid, you go back and you're like, oh, my God, like, I didn't know this happened. Or, oh, yeah. <laughs> it's, and there's, it's, it's there's crazy. probably all those, you know, pay-per-views that I binged at that time. That, you know, there's stuff that I don't remember. It's just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. And some of the stuff that I saw, I'm like, oh, my God, like, WCW was terrible. I remember, like, the I think the oldest thing I had ever seen before the network came out was um, the 86 Skyscrapers. And yeah, the neighbor, Starcade. Yeah, my neighbor had the Road v- Warriors. Yep, my neighbor had that VHS and let me borrow it. It was and, two tapes, right? Yes. Wasn't it like a double tape. Yes, yeah, I remember was. ordering or Huge renting that at the video too. store. Yep. I remember as a kid, I had to pre-order the rental at the video store because it wasn't even out yet, and they Gosh. said they were getting it, and my father had to like put a hold on it so that like when it came in, we were the first ones to rent it. it yeah. That's how wild. That's how wild I I was as a as a fan back in the day, like wanting to see like. You know, the stuff that I didn't get to see on pay-per-view is is, is nuts. Yeah, that was so cool. And you get to see Cornette blow his knees out. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, Um, that that was some good stuff. Yeah, and uh, as always, you can find everything on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network on any podcasting platform by searching Retromania with a W. You can join in the fun on Facebook at Retromania with a W. You can write to us old school style 
retromaniapodcast at gmail.com or follow us on Twitter, retromaniapod. Yeah, I just dropped Digging in the Casket Volume 1. I'm going to catch up with some Gaijin Wrestling Radio. Um, Things have been busy. I'm going to be moving here soon, so uh, bear with me. And uh, yeah, we're coming up on a year anniversary for Dave and I teaming up with creating the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. Yeah, it's uh, it's it's exciting. It's, uh, it's I can't believe it's almost been a year. And in celebration of that, um, you and I have discussed possibly doing some kind of special anniversary show on December the twenty eighth, which was the date of when we we first um, we first put it all together. Yes, indeed. So uh, yeah, we're not we're still kind of formulating that, figuring that out. But um, yeah, it might know, it might tie in with this show. Yeah, it, it just might. We, we we might tie it in with the theme here with with 1992 um, and and the the timeline that we're covering. But um, we're still we're you know once the season finale you know drops next week, December the fifth, um, we're gonna we're gonna figure out a few things and come back with a different format because as of right now the WWE Network has not uploaded any new episodes of Superstars, so we're going to hold off on the Saturday Night Superstars head-to-head um, and and put a close on season one of Weekend Warriors, and we'll we're gonna we're gonna do something a little bit different. Um, and we'll, once once we get all that stuff figured out, you'll know, and uh, hopefully you'll be along for the ride as always here on the Retromania pro wrestling podcast network speaking of getting going along for the ride we also go along for the ride on a weekly basis with our new uh format the one and done where we uh we take something that we saw from whether it's nxt nwa power um AEW Dynamite and something that just struck us and we'll talk about it at length whether it was good or it was bad. So uh, let's let's get into our one and done this week, Kobe. Um, what's your uh, what's your one and done that just struck you and caught you ca- caught your eye that you want to discuss here this week? Um, I'm I'm having uh, an issue with the um, the two hours of wrestling. Uh, on Wednesdays, um, it's okay. a lot to consume, you know, because I, mm-hmm. I, I am a fan of both products, NXT yep. and AEW. But um, okay. I feel like at the end of it, I'm I'm kind of fast forwarding through one, trying to get done to watch both of them. Gotcha. Um, and I feel like it's more or less AEW each time. Yeah. Um, I feel like uh, we're introducing a lot of characters. And we're not, I'm not getting anything else, you know? Uh-huh. Uh, I want more depth in some of these characters. I, I, I am getting some reoccurring characters, which is nice. But, uh, mm-hmm. yeah, we we're, we just introduced the Butcher, the Blade, the Bunny. Um, mm-hmm. who also, I saw that. Yeah, the Butcher is also uh, uh, from a heavy metal band from Buffalo called As I Lay Dying. So that was kind of interesting. I was like, I know who that fucking is. Oh, wow. Interesting. Yeah. Um. They've been around for like 15 years. Um, but yeah, it's interesting seeing him on the scene. But, you know, you just introduced another tag team or another person that we have to pay attention to. And then MJF has his guy as well. And we don't have any information about these guys so much. Yeah. You know, it's on the surface right now. Um, okay. So it's it's harder for me to follow along with AEW. Uh, but I'm loving everything NXT is doing because I know those guys, the characters. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's my one and done character development. Okay. Interesting. Um, you know, I, I said this from the get go, um, even before the, the, the dynamite show on TNT, I felt like AEW was putting out t- too many new people for us to keep, keep track with. And I know that they want to, you know, introduce new faces to the, to the, the mainstream scene of wrestling and make them a part of mainstream, you know, wrestling, especially in a primetime spotlight on TNT. But there's just way too many people to catch up with. Like the AEW women's division, I could probably name three girls in that division um, because there's so many new faces um, that it's just hard to keep track with. Like, I, I just I just feel like there's a lot to absorb and they're just trying to throw everything at us and see what kind of reacts. Like you have um, the champion Rio, you have Nyla Rose, and you have Britt Baker. Like those are the three that I could probably name off. But then like you know, Emi Shakura a, or yeah, or as Jr. would say, she looked very Oriental oh the other night. God. Did you hear about that? No, he said she looked grizzled. I heard that. 
Oh, no, he was like, Emi Sakura, um, looking very Oriental, Asian, I mean female. Like, he totally, like, stumbled over his work. Yeah. Right. I heard it at first, and my wife was watching it with me, and she was, I was laughing. She's like, what's so funny? And and she was starting to fall asleep. I was like, I'll tell you tomorrow. And then she's like, what's so funny? And then I told her. And she was like, "Oh my God!" Like she, 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 she got a chuckle out of it too. I think that's just a generational thing. I don't think there was any um, racial, you know, intentions behind it. But anyhow, long story short, I just think there's too much to absorb. Like, for instance, you got the Dark Order. Okay, I was not a fan of them when they first started. When they pop the lights and they all come back, and um, uh, you know, when the lights come back on. But lately, these vignettes. Yes. That they've been producing. It's got this like Scientology creepy kind of vibe to it and that it's I was really like, really good. I was like, damn, this is good. I'm like, okay, I can get behind this. So they introduced them. And like I said, it was very cold the way they introduced them. They just brought them out and expected people to know who they were. Indie fans know them as the Super Smash Brothers. I didn't even know that that was their name before that until someone told me. But now they're kind of reintroducing them with like some more substance in these vignettes. But you just brought them up. The Butcher and the Blade and the Bunny. I don't know who they are. But on commentary, um, Excalibur knows who they are. JR didn't even really have a fucking clue. Who? But who is yeah. it? But who yeah, is it? What the fuck is a blade, goddammit? Yeah, well, who's the butcher? Oh, that bunny. Oh, you know, like, he didn't know He didn't know what to do with himself. It's like, they're either, like I said, they're just throwing a lot at us and seeing what's going to get over and what's not going to get over. And I feel like as much as this will probably tick off some fans, they probably need some uh, some names to identi- for people to identify with. It can't just be Cody, Omega, and the Bucks. That everyone is identifying with who 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 is known or even Jericho, you gotta have. I think you gotta have some more names that fans know, like like casual fans know, that can help get these other newer talents over, um, and just more character development. Who is this person? Why are they who who they are? You know what I mean? People go crazy for Orange Cassidy. I I'm not a big fan of him, but um, introducing him with the best friends and th- that's kind of been like his niche and it's kind of worked um but i don't know who all these other talents are and i feel like like adding like a personality profile or a vignette to them would kind of help me identify with them like they've done with the dark order recently so i'm kind of with you there um character development all the way like they need ward ward Wardlow, whatever they did they did one Hardlow. vignette for yeah. him they did like one, one vignette two, for him and, and they then expect us to know whom yeah, and then they then he showed up, and now he's MJF's new Diesel. You know what I mean? Yep. Like it's just, I, I I I like what they're doing. I like that it's it's new. It's still got that new car smell, and there's some guys on there that I really enjoy watching. Uh, but does it not but, feel like you're missing like something? You know? Yeah, like, you're you're, like you're right. I mid episode or something. Yeah, like, what's I'm like on? fast forwarding through a fair amount of stuff. And one and there's the one other thing I don't like about AEW is that like. They say that they're going to do certain things to differentiate themselves from from WWE or other organizations, but then they go ahead and they do stuff like the opening promo, that long drawn out thing with Jericho in the inner circle. I was like, you guys used to say to you were shouting to the mountaintops, like we're not going to have a boring promo for twenty minutes. Okay, maybe your promo wasn't boring, but like you know, if you're all elite wrestling, like then kick it off with some action. You know, I don't, I I get every once in a while you need to switch things up, but like to me, I just thought that was like too dragged out. Like it was just, it, it felt like it felt like Jericho just kind of having too much control over the segment and the booking, and it was just kind of like all about. It was just way too much about him, yeah. and it was just too much of of stuff we've seen before in other or wrestling organizations. So yeah, I'm with you there. I, I we kind of went off on a tangent here, but um, um, as far as my one and done goes, um. It's not some. It's not so much as something that I saw recently, or this past week on NXT or AEW or even NWA Power. But it's someone that's impressed me like quite a bit. Like he's become one of my new favorites to watch, and that's Angel Garza. Okay. Um, Angel Garza reminds me a lot of Eddie Guerrero. <laughs> I feel like Angel Garza, if he doesn't, if he's developed properly and stays on the course that he's on and they don't rush him to whether it's Raw or SmackDown, I think Angel Garza could be the next Eddie Guerrero. He could be their big Latin star that they've been waiting for. 
and they've been searching for for quite some time. His his charisma, his in-ring ability, my goodness. The match he had with Leo Rush a few yeah. weeks ago was unbelievable. The match he had at the on the on the pre-show with um with with uh, Isaiah Swerve Scott um, on on the on the Takeover War Games pre-show was a fun match. I just feel like he can be the fate. Not only could he be like a figurehead face for the cruiserweight division, but he could also be like their big Latin star. Like they they've been looking to replace Rey Mysterio since God knows how long, and they brought him back because they needed that Latin star power to fill that demographic. I think Angel Garza can fill that once Mysterio's gone. I really can. Yeah, they I'm always just try so- to give uh, Rey Mysterio a rub with the new uh, Latin sensation. Yeah, Sincara, Alberto Del Rio, um, Andrade, Andrade, yep. Yeah, and I like Andrade. I think Andrade's, you know, he's 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 very talented, um, but I just feel like Angel Garza's just got something. He's got a little more in, in terms of the charisma factor, um, just his interaction with the audience and his. I'm telling you, he's Absolutely. like, he's just to me like he could he could really. He could really be something, and he's just impressed me a lot. I want to see more of him on NXT. I don't want him going to Raw or SmackDown just yet. I want him to stay in NXT, get his you know get get his bearings together, and and then you know maybe even hold the cruiserweight championship. But don't you know don't rush him too too far along to where he's now forgotten about, and he ends up on uh, you know a Shotgun Saturday Night or whatever the fucking like, Wait, secondary he was a shows are. Time U.S. champion. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, it's wild. So, um, yeah, that that's my that's my one and done this week, Angel Garza. Awesome, awesome one and done. Uh, you ready to actually jump into the day, November twenty eighth, nineteen ninety two? Get on this let's, school bus, like one let's of the do last it, man. trips. Yep. Let's do it. Skirk. All right, here we are. Uh, we have a, actually a new opening package for the show. At least this seems newer to me. There's more edits of Yokozuna and Shawn Michaels, Bret Hart, Owen Hart. No Ultimate Warrior in this at all. They cut him completely from the beginning. And then we get a half-second shot of Hulk Hogan ripping off the shirt. A little bit of change going on there. A new Just a bit. generation. Not yet. <laughs> yeah, sort of. Yeah. Uh, from Terry Hute, Indiana. What a what a name. What a place. Uh, we open the show with Vince McMahon and Bobby the Brain Heenan. And Vince lets us know that Bret Hart was victorious, and so was The Undertaker, as well as the perfect tag team, Macho Man and Mr. Perfect. Bobby then says, Razor's going to carve you up, Mr. Perfect, and Ric Flair is going to snap your leg, and you're going to take you out, and we're going to take you out, just, we're going to make you like Survivor Series, it's going to be history. They keep claiming that Survivor Series was history. Was it a historical uh, Survivor Series, Dave? Not in my opinion, no. Absolutely not. Maybe for the Shawn Michaels and Bret Hart match, it wasn't their best match, but, I mean, IC champ versus... uh, and two smaller guys. That's kind of historical. That sense, yeah, because you at the time you didn't see guys of their stature headlining and main eventing a pay per view. Um, but it was probably the first time where, well, actually, no, because Brett, because Brett and Davey headlined SummerSlam earlier that year. So, oh, yeah, but yeah. Well, I stand sit corrected. Today on the program, <laughs> a special interview with Marty Janetti. Bob Backlund will be back in action. The Head Shrinkers are also in action. And then we get an after-the-match exclusive with Ric Flair and Razor Ramon. And Razor will also be in action, as well as Bam Bam Bigelow. Speaking of Bam Bam, here's Bam Bam uh, making his actual debut. Set to go against Jerry Fox. Vince says... I can't believe Heenan talked about uh, breaking Mr. Perfect's leg. And Heenan was like, you know what? You're right. I didn't mean leg. I meant his neck or his back or his career. I'm going to break or his you. pussy and his crack. Yeah. <laughs> just lick his body just like that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Heenan was on fire tonight uh, or this morning for Saturday Superstars. We get a picture-in-picture promo of Bam Bam. During his match, saying that he's back, he's Bam Bam, he's the beast from the east. He delivers an enziguri, a gut wrench slam, and then comes off the top rope with a headbutt. One, two, three. Bam Bam picks up the victory and then spits on Jerry Fox. Ah, nice. 
we go to inside the pages of WWF Magazine and its update with Mean Gene, who tosses to the aftermath of Survivor Series. And it's Razor and Ric Flair. They're in a like a gravel area getting ready to go to the limo. And Ric Flair's like, come on, come on, Razor. And Razor's like, we're going to carve you up. Didn't Heaton just say that? Then Ric Flair says, we're going to break you. Didn't Heenan just say that? And then they uh, they say that Macho Man is on borrowed time, and they speed off, or Mr. Perfect is on borrowed time, and Ric Flair and Razor speed off in the limo, kick up some rocks, and that's your little after Survivor Series segment. Coliseum home video exclusive, probably. Yes, indeed. There were always like five minutes of nothing, you know? Yeah. Uh, yeah. All right, next on the show, out to the ring, it's the Head Shrinkers against local bag boy George Anderson and Kevin Kruger. Looks like they were uh, picked up from the local food line. <laughs> food line. <laughs> the, the developmental area over here is the food line. The Wawa, yeah. or whatever they call that shit, right? Isn't it? Yeah, there's a Wawa oh, you... over here, too, yeah. Yeah. We have sheets we as have, well. We don't have those. You have sheets? sheets? Yeah. No, I don't have sheets. There's a rivalry between Sheets and Wawa. We have Cumberland Farms and 7-Eleven. Ooh, we have Royal Farms, 7-Eleven, Sheets, Wawa. We have a lot over here. Interesting. Down south, yeah. Down Down south, yes, indeed. Yeah, (laughs) you guys can. The Natural Disasters have a picture-in-picture promo during this Headshringers match. And they're saying, you don't know what you got yourselves into, but you'll, you're going to find out soon. Okay, so it uh, looks like we're gearing up for the natural disasters and the head shrinkers. Where the head shrinkers were kind of involved in the natural disasters losing their tag team titles, right? Yes, that is correct. They, they, were, they, they, they didn't do anything physically. They just came out to ringside and distracted them. And then um, Earthquake took that, uh, that, that monstrous bump over the top rope and hit the guardrail and that was the end of it right there. Yeah. That was all she wrote for the quake. Yes, indeed. Um, we get a huge power bomb, a double power bomb that nearly kills Kevin Kruger. I mean, he lands right on his head. Then Samu, Samu bites the forehead of Kevin Kruger, who I believe got his mouth busted open with a crescent, a crescent kick from Fatu earlier. Um, yeah, he got his mouth busted wide open, and they kept showing him bleeding from the mouth. Um, I think Food Line offers health insurance, so they should yeah, be good. Yeah, they should be all right. Yeah. Uh, we get a variation of the STF, but Kruger stays in the hold and doesn't tap out. Then we get a double face drop from the Samoans, and Fatu jumps over Samu. Good job, Samu. Uh, Fatu pins one, two, three. That's that jump that I don't like where Samu goes to the corner and Fatu just jumps over him. What, what is that finish? You know? Yeah, I don't know. Beats me. <laughs> Anyhow, uh, the Head Shrinkers picking up a victory there. Then we go to the event center with Sean Mooney, presented by IcoPro. For anybody who wants a better body or something or other crack cocaine, I don't know. Sean tosses, <laughs> t- <laughs> Sean tosses to the devious Mr. Fuji and his newest acquisition, Yokozuna. Mr. Fuji says, One day, in the beautiful Polynesian Islands, I see a big man in the water, and it's Yokozuma. Yokozuma, everybody. I bring him to the, back to Japan, and I say he become a champion. And then we come here to the WWF. <laughs> so, uh... Mr. Fuji is letting us know that he found Yokozuna in the Polynesian Islands, so he is an islander, but he brought him to Japan to be a champion there, and now they're coming to the WWF. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. That is very interesting, because they always build him from Japan, so... Well, he resides wow. in Japan now, but yeah, he was originally found at the Polynesian Islands, right? But Oh, okay. Mr. Fuji calls him Yokozuma. That's, that's a good one. I Yokozuma issue you a challenge you not accept. Come on, yeah. come on, you're yet a better. Come on, Hulk Hogan. Yeah, then we go back to the event center with Sean Mooney, and he says, considering the end result of the encounters Yokozuno has been involved in, <laughs> it's an understatement 
to say that he's made quite an impression. So yeah, they can't figure out the name quite yet. It's Yokozuma, Yokozuno, and uh, later we'll have uh, Virgil saying, That Yakazuma, Bret Hart? Yeah, y- Yakazuma. <laughs> <laughs> we then toss to Paul Bear and The Undertaker. And Paul Bear is talking about embalming nails on a white table. Nails, we're going to embalm you. Uh, why would you want to mess with The Undertaker? Okay, and The Undertaker says, You looked into these eyes once. Come back to these eyes, Nails, and you look once more, and you'll burn in the dark side. He really wants him to make that eye contact. Yeah, that's that, that, you know, usually the eye contact is very key, especially during sex. Yes. Like when you, when you make eye contact during sex, then you know it's for real. That's the Undertaker's yeah. single for his ballad album, Come Back to These Eyes. <laughs> these eyes. <laughs> these eyes don't lie. Oh, Jesus. I broke myself. Ow. <laughs> commercial and back, and oh my goodness, it's Reverend Slick. Oh, man. He's giving thanks in a warm reception at, Su- at Survivor Series. It touched my heart, brothers and sisters. And yes, I seen the light. And yes, I'm thankful. And I have a new attitude. And the man before I came here to the studio stopped me and he said, Reverend Slick, my arthritis in my leg, it hurts. And, and, and I said, you have to be thankful that you have legs. Some people don't have legs to have arthritis in. Oh, my God. Oh man, I did not like this version of Slick no. at all. No, at all. But that was funny yeah. as shit. Telling yeah, you somebody, yeah, I'm sure that. Yeah. <sighs> wow. Yeah. Uh, he's. I'm thankful to be here, and we're breathing the air, and we're in the country of the freedom, and we choose our own religion. And I'm thankful to be back in the WWF. Have you ever seen the uh, the video for Jive Soul Bro? Yes. Dude, very. That much. shit had me dying. His lip syncing is terrible, but like the the stuff with him and the girls and walking down the street and oh man, I was just I yeah, so yeah. bro a job so bro yeah. yep. <laughs> oh man, good stuff. But yeah, Reverend Slick making a return here. Wonder what he's got up his uh, his sleeves or his cufflinks. Yeah, who knows. We go to the ring, and it's Tom Stone awaiting the 43-year-old Bob Backlund, who gets that <laughs> piped-in reaction, Who what I posted on the, the page. You saw that, right? Yeah, yes, I did. Nobody's fucking moving a bit, and it's like, ah! Yeah. And then... And you would have thought the fucking Beatles showed up. Yeah, later on the For show, real. later on the show when Crush shows up, you'll hear an actual good uh, pop. A, a good pop for Crush? Wow. Dude, I know. It's crazy. He was over, though. Yeah. Picture-in-picture promo during this match. Bob Backlund says he's going to climb to the top of the WWF. Uh, we'll see. Uh, uh, I, I want to see you, more. You know? Do you want to know something interesting, Kobe? Yes. Um, to, just to kind of do a little sidebar here. Um, my brother-in-law recently texted me, and Bob Backlund um, was on a, uh, a, a an AM radio show, I think locally in Connecticut, because he's a Connecticut boy. Right. Um. Was it about his oil company or the construction? Uh, it was actually about his book that had just come out. Um, so he's doing some book signings. And um, he was talking about um, periods in his in his career. Uh, for instance, um, when Hogan came in, apparently they threw Backlund an offer to turn him into a bad guy. And he refused. And then that's when he left. Um and he did mention um, his construction business, um, and apparently he still has a a home remodeling construction business still going on to this day. Um, he still operates it and runs it, and they do a lot of remodeling for um, for uh, like like condo complexes and, and 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 things of that nature. So yeah, um, but we only use nails, no screwing around. <laughs> we don't use the power drill. Yeah. All oh, the plebeians going to take yeah. like. Six years to finish. It's just a house. Wow. <laughs> yeah. Oh wow, he's still got his stuff going on though. That's it. Well, my brother, my brother-in-law doesn't watch wrestling, and he knows I'm a big fan, okay. so he was like fascinated by it, and just was just telling me, you know, he was like so fascinated by his story, and 
and then I like sat down like I was talking like yes Thanksgiving I was talking with him about um the you know Backlund's career and the things that he did and holding the title for so long and you know the even even eventually you know turning into a bad guy and he was just like enthralled by it all and so he was like oh yeah it was it was it was it was it was, it was pretty interesting but yeah sorry go what ahead was let, his, let, let, let's continue he was just in, he was just enthralled or just like intrigued he was by fascinated the- by the whole story like Backlund like the way Backlund came across in the in the radio interview and how like personable he was and. Um, then when I was telling him stories about Backlund's career and things that he did and didn't do, and you know, he was just like he—he he was like wide-eyed, like yeah. he couldn't believe it. That's cool, you know. Oh uh, yeah, so it was, it was kind of interesting. Very cool. Yeah. Uh, so I want to see where this goes. I had an idea when I saw Bob Backlund doing this match. He he finishes up with an O'Connor roll and a beautiful bridge, uh, more piped-in reactions as he pins Tom Stone. Um, you think that they were kind of setting up for like a Bob Backlund versus Rick Rude? I mean, Rick Flair. Um, wouldn't surprise me. You know, I mean, like a wrestling purist, the oldest, the older champion versus the NWA champion, the dirty heel. Um, yeah, it wouldn't surprise me, but I don't think it would be like something like really feet, like really featured. Well, I think um, that they were trying to go for that, but they had to pipe in the fucking reactions because Bob Backlund well, wasn't over. You know. But also too, like Flair had his hands full following Survivor Series and Mr. Perfect, Correct. and so going into the New Year. So I mean, um, I don't know if this was the point in time where they had said to where where he went to management and said, you know, I'm giving you my notice. I'm I'm going back to WCW because I believe there was a certain period of time, like right around this time period, where he where they told him that they were going with the youth, and he had a deal with Vince where like he could explore options. Uh, Vince gave him the option to go back, and he was he went back and fulfilled all his his dates and his obligations. So yeah, this, this, who knows? It's it's possible they they maybe talked about it, thought about it. Yeah, the one reason um, I bring it up is because are, don't these two guys start the next Royal Rumble coming up? Um, I believe they do. I believe yeah, I believe that it, yeah, Flair was number one. I think Backlund um, was two. I think Backlund was two, and I think that was. I think this Rumble was one of Backlund's. I think this. I think like Backlund was like one of the first guys to like do like the 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 spot in the Rumble where you're in there for a long time, like and but you don't, you know, like he he records like a record time in the Rumble. Yes, but doesn't win. You know, like Greg Valentine had that spot one year. I think Rick Martel had that spot a couple of years prior to that. You know, it would it would. They would christen it to different guys, um, or I shouldn't say christen it, but they would put it up upon different guys to kind of do the Iron Man spot in the Rumble, but not necessarily win it. And Backlund was one of those guys I think they like patterned it off of because of his performance. Mm-hmm. Good stuff. Uh, that'll be coming up within the next month, but we won't be watching it here. No. WWE Network, get your shit together. Come on. Give us some superstars. Yeah. We go to a commercial and come back, and it's Harvey Whippleman and Kim Chi, and Harvey says, Kamala got stuffed in the casket because he didn't listen to us, but next time, he's going to listen to us and do exactly what we're telling him to do. Okay. We'll see. We go to the ring, and it's Joey Mags, who's not jumping, sets up to go against uh, the out- from the outer reaches of your mind. It's Damian Demento. Get a picture-in-picture promo during this match. Damien says, watch Damien Demento and you'll witness catastrophic annihilation. And hey, there's that clown again in the background. Damien Demento drops a knee on Joey Mags, one, two, three, and picks up the victory. And as they show a recap of the finish, they do a freeze frame, but not at the right point. It's when Damien Demento is mid-air to drop his knee. Um, and Heenan just goes, amazing, he can stay in the air like that. <laughs> Good stuff. There. Good stuff, Bobby. Mm-hmm. Then we go to a recap of last January on the Wrestling Challenge. It's the exchange between the Rockers, Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. And what happened in the barbershop? Everybody remembers that, correct? If you don't, are you even a wrestling fan? Are you? All right. All right. Yeah, there, there's that situation with the Rockers. Um, Marty gets super kicked, thrown through the window, and blades, and has a big boo-boo on his head. And then 
we witness the epic return of Marty Jannetty months later, and uh, he goes to smash Shawn Michaels in the head with a mirror, but hits Sherry instead. And now, on the podium live on Superstars, it's Mean Gene who welcomes back Marty Jannetty, and the fans are fucking going ape shit for him. Jannetty says he was at home for eight long months. He hung his head. He learned something from his father that you don't respect anyone who doesn't show you respect. And I'm not here for the money or the fame. I'm here to kick your butt. Um, yeah. Mean Gene says, Sean claims that uh, Marty hit Sherry on purpose with the mirror. Marty says Sean hasn't even called her once since she was uh, in the hospital. And he pulled her in the way. And that's the type of intercontinental champion he is. And as much conditioning as he does, he may be the best af- athlete, but he doesn't have heart. And that's why he's back Jack ready to attack. And uh, (laughs) Marty Jannetty gets a huge pop there. Again, the fans love Marty. So, uh, yeah, that's building up for the big uh, exchange between Shawn Michaels and Marty Jannetty. Maybe at Royal Rumble? I don't know. Maybe. We'll see. Who knows? We'll have to find out. Commercial and back and in the ring, it's Gary Jackson and his opponent is Razor Ramon. And Vince brings up... This Monday on Primetime Wrestling, Virgil will face off against Shawn Michaels for the Intercontinental Championship. And keep in mind, Primetime Wrestling is going to be replaced soon, right? By a new show called, uh, what is it? Um, Monday Night Raw? Yeah. Yeah. Cool. And guess what that show is kind of like? Kind of like Saturday Night, right? Yeah. Yeah, but on Primetime. Just a little bit. Just a little bit. Hmm. Interesting stuff. Picture-in-picture promo during the match, Razor says, You think you're perfect, man? Nobody perfect. I'm going to smack that stinky smile off your face. And throws the toothpick, and then we go back into the ring, and Razor delivers a huge choke slam to Gary Jackson. Then the huge Razor's edge to Gary Jackson. One, two, three. It's all over. We go to a commercial and come back, and it's Crush coming out. And this is the actual reaction I was talking about. The fans are fucking going nuts for him. Like, you can see, like, from an outside wide view, everybody up to the bleachers are, like, cheering for Crush. They went absolutely banana, Vince. Seriously. Um, And he's going against Red Taylor. Vince says, see the Ico Pro banner in the background? (laughs) You can bet that Crush is a disciple of integrated conditioning. Wait. He's a disciple of integrated conditioning. I thought he was a disciple of the apocalypse. <laughs> Could you imagine the group in the Attitude Era were like, we're the disciples of integrated conditioning, and we're here to fucking kick your ass. And they're all just like, they're all in body suits, and, and they're called the body stars as well. I don't know. Oh, my yeah. God. Sorry, I got, too in, I got too deep into that one. Disciples of integrated conditioning just is going to stick with me forever. Vince. Vinceism. That's, yeah, that's definitely, definitely a Vinceism for sure. Heenan says, it's a shame, isn't it? I mean, look at the thighs of the guy, Crush, but he's, he's from Hawaii. He's got an IQ of nine. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Crush wins with a head squash, and that's it. Then we go to Sean Mooney in the, Sean Mooney in the event center, who tosses to Virgil, and Virgil struggles to congratulate Bret Hart in his promo, but he says he's going to take it step-by-step step to the top. All right. Then we go to the model, Rick Martell. He says, come and take a look at this side or this side. I have more class, and I'm better looking than anyone in the WWF. And Hitman, you better watch out. I'll come in for you. Ooh, so we might see Rick Martell and the Hitman uh, square up once again. Yeah. For the, this time for the WWF title, maybe you know Rick Martel will take his sunglasses and then you know the, they'll you know what I mean. They'll he'll milk steal it for six months yeah. and milk it for six months, and then on Wrestling Challenge will finally get the payoff in July. You know when Brett's not the champ. Oh man! <laughs> I make your pink and black sunglasses so fashionable in France. They they just they they flock to the model when I put these sunglasses on. <laughs> the little boys and girls they want to wear them after I put them on because I'm the model. Oh, then we go to a uh, the final segment here. It's high energy, <laughs> and uh, 
They say, we rock it to the stop. We rock it and we can't stop because we're going straight to the top. And Owen says, we're going straight to the top and we're going, we're going number one, baby. He says, we're going number one. So they're going straight to the top and going number one. They're going to give us a fucking golden shower, Owen. Oh my God. Maybe that's why I slipped. No, sorry. You are uh, so fucking right, Next down. week, oh Kamala, Yokozuna, <laughs> Nails, the world's, <laughs> and Bobby the Brain Heenan says, the world's dumbest termite, Hacksaw Jim Duggan. Oh, my God. Sorry. Sorry. Oh, my God. And then Shawn Michaels, and that's your episode of Superstars. If you couldn't Superstars. get any lower. <laughs> Sorry. If you couldn't get any lower. Low energy. Low oh brow. Low oh brow, yeah. Oh, my God. Wow. Golden shower. He slipped because somebody peed. Yeah. I can't believe you just did that. Wow. <laughs> there needs to be... Yeah. Wow. Right, where's, the pay, where's the payoff for this angle? Like done. That's what I'd like to... <laughs> oh, my. Okay. That's your episode of Superstars, everybody. Nice little follow-up from Survivor Series. Yeah. Actually, I enjoyed this show. Went by quick. Um, yep. we got a lot of moving parts going to like, what's, what's happening next. Yeah. And didn't get oversaturated with Bret Hart. Ugh. All right. Yeah. You can't, you, you, you can't be too oversaturated with, uh, the excellence of execution. Um, uh, especially, uh, you know, when I, uh, I, 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 I reach out to all my fans and, uh, uh the sunglasses, you know, uh, you don't you don't want to get too oversaturated and really burn out the territory. Right. Yep. Thanks, Brett. No, uh, no, no, no problem. Don't uh, don't uh, slip and fall and make any more jokes about my brother. Right. Or I'll fucking kill you. <laughs> Will do. Uh, you ready to get into uh, WCW Saturday Night? Yes, I am. Um, 605 WTBS Center Stage, Atlanta, Georgia. Um, we open with a of uh, the, uh, the the traditional voiceover guy. Don't know his name. Um, previewing tonight's show, we got Ron Simmons taking on Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, Cactus Jack and Van Hammer, Tex Lashinger and Shanghai Pearson action, and the tag team of Eric Watts and Ken Kensuki Sasaki, all in tag team action. Um, Jim Ross opens the show, welcomes us, and introduces us to a new team on the scene in WCW. Johnny Gunn and Z-Man, dressed up like they're auditioning for a Buff Bagwell porn. Um, <laughs> both men, super excited to be in WCW, and they plan to take on all comers. Bet they do. <laughs> um, Missy Hyatt, especially. Um Z-Man kind of like played the veteran of the team here, talking about how he teamed up with different guys. and Yeah, and um, you brought this up on prior episodes, too. They kind of just keep tossing him with other people. Yeah, they're just like throwing mud to the wall and seeing what's going to stick, and I guess this is it. Um, so, uh, yeah, he's, he's, he's thrilled that he's going to be teaching Johnny Gunn and, uh, you know, and having him learn the ropes, so to speak, in WCW. And then Gunn, he was just thrilled to be part of the team, and he he was chosen by Tom Zink. Um, and that was the end of the interview there. Um, not much of a reaction for them, I will say. Um, I mean, you got the, the, the girls screaming and hollering for him, but for the most part, nobody really cared. Um, Who the fuck is that guy? Why has Tom yeah, exactly. Zink got another fucking partner? Yeah, pretty much, yeah. Um it's probably some probably some fucking Billy Bob in the crowd was like, "Why they got that dick dancer hanging out with another dick dancer with the fucking mullet and the and the, the collarless shirt with the button up top?" Yeah, that's I don't chip know what and they that's th- Dale. Yeah, for real. Like, come on over here. Like, you know, they, how many times they gonna do stuff with this guy? Anyhow, um, we open with Scotty Flamingo going one on one with Chris Sullivan. Um, Nothing to write home about here. Flamingo was in control most of the match. Um, the crowd seemed really dead for the match. Yeah, Chris uh, no Sullivan interest. tried to give us his all. Yeah, he did. Um, but it didn't work out. Um, on commentary, JR uh, hinted at a rematch with Johnny B. Bad um, following the, uh, the the controversial finish to the boxing match, that clash of champions. Um, and then Scotty Flamingo wins with a pile driver. Um we then cut to the locker room as Tony Schiavone is with Mr. Wonderful Paul Orndorff. And Orndorff brings in Medusa. 
Um, Shivani asks what she's doing here, and she says that she's that people don't listen to her, and she's here because of her position with Rick Rude, whatever that means. Um, then Orndorff tells Ron Simmons he's going to find out what Mr. Wonderful is all about tonight. Um, I thought this was a little interesting. Um, Medusa kind of... Um, you know, seconding Orndorff. Yeah. Um, maybe, maybe Med- on the on the surface, with everything that took place between her and Paulie at the Clash of Champions, and kind of like the Dangerous Alliance in flux, so to speak. I wonder if this was an attempt by the the creative team in WCW or the Bookers to maybe position Medusa as like a female um, stable head. You know, Stable head, yeah, like with Orndorff and Rude, and maybe there was going to be like some sort of power struggle <laughs> within the Dangerous Alliance. I think this is right around. This might be not too long after Paul E. eventually leaves WCW. Yeah. So maybe the, maybe there were some plans for it, and for whatever reason, it didn't happen. Yeah. Um, Ninety three is going to be a crazy year. Yeah. Too bad yes, we won't finish sure. any of it. Yeah. Thanks, WWE Network. Fucking dicks. Hope you slip on some pee oh, and fall Jesus to your Christ. death. <laughs> well, folks. Yeah. All right. Roll credits. Um, commercial break. We come back and JR previews the King of Cable with a uh, uh, the King of Cable tournament with a video package. We get highlights of the first round matches involving uh, Rick Rude and Barry Windham, Sting and Brian Pillman, Tony Atlas and Vader, and Dustin Rhodes and the Barbarian. And then we get highlights from the Sting Rick Rude semifinals match at the Clash of Champions that was uh, decided uh, with the judges Ole Anderson, Larry Zabisco, and Hiro Matsuda. And then we get another clip from uh, the Dustin Rhodes Vader match from a week prior. Um, which sets us up for Sting Invader headlining Starcade 1992 in the finals of the King of Cable tournament. Um, I mean, Sting Invader always had good matches, yes. so like you know, why not? You know what I mean? Um, but I wonder if this was really the um, this was really the outcome. If this is what they they had planned, um, especially with Jake Roberts being gone. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. It seemed like Sting and Jake still had a little unfinished business after Halloween Havoc. Um, and it looked like they, it, it felt like they were heading towards maybe another match at Starcade, but maybe this was the, the backup plan or the alternative that they had come up with. Um, we go to commercial, we come back from the break, and we have Cactus Jack taking on Van Hammer, heavy metal Van Hammer. And um, this is easily Van Hammer's best match that I've watched since doing these recaps, and that's only because he's wrestling Cactus Jack. Right. So, um, Surprisingly enough, Van Hammer gets a win after he delivers a big leg drop to Cactus Jack. Um, crowd kind of popped for the finish, so uh, I guess uh, Cactus helped get Van Hammer over in this match. Um, this is, like I said, easily his best match. It wasn't. Uh, it, I didn't have to take a dump during this, so it was. It was. It, it, it was. It was watchable. Yes, I'll say that it was watchable. Yes. Um, Go to commercial and we come back from the break, and it's Tex Slashinger and Shanghai Pierce defeating Rex Cooper and Ian Weston. Um, we get the enhancement talent, uh, Cooper and Weston, uh, getting the advantage early on in this match. Um, and if you guys recall, Ian Weston was a part of that uh, that jobber challenge uh, recently. Underdog. Uh, yeah, the underdog challenge, or whatever it was called. Um Frequent tags from both of those guys working on Shanghai with a series of double-team moves. Um, on commentary, you get some comparisons of uh, Shanghai and, Sla- and uh, Slashinger to uh, Murdoch and Dusty, which I thought that was a little bit of a stretch there, but I get it. They were trying to find a way to get these guys over, kind of the whole Texas comparison, so to speak. Um, then we get Shanghai delivering a running elbow to Weston for the win. Um... Tex grabs the mic after the match and rambles on about being from Texas and Texas don't quit. Um, he sounded pretty out of breath. I'll be <laughs> honest with you when he was when he was talking. Um, but anyhow, uh, Tom Zink and Johnny Gunn make their way after double teaming uh, Missy Hyatt in the back to confront this <laughs> new team, and they challenge them to a match anytime, anywhere as a brawl breaks out between both teams. Referees try to restore some order, and the baby faces clean house as we go into the commercial break. Um, yeah, I and guess they were trying to beef up the WCW tag team division. Doc and Gordy were gone. Steiner's haven't uh, been around. Steiner's, Steiner's were gone by this point. 
Um, so, I mean, you had, would you have Bobby Eaton and, and, uh, and Arn Anderson from the Dangerous Alliance as a team, Eric Watts and Kensuke Sasaki. I mean, you had to, you, you, Dustin Rhodes and Barry Windham were split. So all you had left was Shane Douglas and Ricky Steamboat. So, I mean, I guess you kind of had to finally put these two teams in something meaningful. You know, you had two new teams on the scene, throw them together, see what happens. Yeah. Um, we come back from the break, and it's stunning Steve Austin and Arn Anderson with Paul E. Dangerously in their corner, taking on Kensuke Sasaki and Eric Watts. Um, yeah, Watts, he doesn't start this match out, which is probably a smart move because he fucking sucks. Um, but overall, this was a fun match, despite Watts' involvement. Um, no, not too bad at all. Yes. That's okay. You can you can you can keep the uh, keep this in the audio, and I'll just ramble on while you go yell at the the dog awesome. shitting in your awesome. backyard. Um, what 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 while Kobe is um, offending uh, one of his fellow neighbors from letting their dog shit in the backyard, let me remind you all that you can find all the episodes of the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast. Now, maybe we could hear this. Can we hear him yelling. I'd like to hear if he's yelling. All right. All right. He's yelling no. Is he yelling no at the dog or the neighbor? Who's shitting, the neighbor or the dog? All right, he's yelling no. All right, door slammed. It's pretty quick, unless he went outside to go confront this person. It's pretty cold out, too. Yeah, I don't like it when a neighbor's dog shits in my yard either. Anyhow, we're back, it sounds like. Uh, Yeah, sorry, the dog was taking a big Eric Watts in my yard. Um, Oh my goodness. I was telling uh, I was telling folks that you know while you were uh, while you're yelling we're we're trying to see if there was like going to be a domestic issue breaking out here on the podcast because that would have been great stuff. Um, but anyhow, I was telling folks that um, you, know, you can find all the great episodes of this show as well as all the other shows on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network over on Podbean by searching Retromania with a W. So anyhow, long story short, did you um, did did did, uh, did you dispose of uh, this this random dog and it's and it's uh, Eric Watts sized turds? Uh, yeah, I I shoot him off. Basically, kind of gave him a boy and uh, a drop kick, and uh, it's gone now. So you did the run in. You made the save. Yes, I did the run in. Okay. Third house. Made the save. Baby face save. Look at that. And then we come back. <laughs> <laughs> All right. The timing of that was perfect. It was during an Eric Watts match. Yeah, I know, so, right? Yeah, that, that's that's something else. That is um, a metaphor. Yeah, um, like I said, this match was okay. It wasn't wasn't bad. It was somewhat enjoyable. Um, the finish comes when uh, the referee loses control. All four guys are in the ring brawling, and Watts somehow manages to give Arn Anderson the STF for the victory. That move. Um, the, yeah, there they go again. Really uh, pushing Watts to the moon there. Um, we get a commercial break, and we come back, and it's um, up close with Tony Schiavone, who is interviewing the executive vice president of wrestling operations in WCW, Bill Watts. Tony asks Watts about Sting's attack on Vader from last week with the 2x4, and Watts talks about how he doesn't condone the attack, but he says he's glad to see that Vader got was coming to him after what he's put Sting through in the past. Shivani will then reference Vader breaking another wrestler's back, on, and Watts relates that to when Lawrence Taylor broke Joe Theismann's leg mm. and how injuries can happen in wrestling just like it, just like it does in football. I thought that was a pretty interesting uh, analogy there. One minute you... you you're happy to see Vader got hit in the back with a two by four, but on the other hand, you didn't have a problem with him breaking another guy's back. So, uh, you know, pick a side, Bill. Come on, man. Yeah. Seriously, pick a side. Yeah. Um, Tony brings up the issues Watts has had with uh, Rick Rude, and he points out that Rude's issues with his son stems from the issues that he has with him. Eric has gotten a lot of heat for being Bill's kid his entire life, but more recently here in WCW. He doesn't think Eric is ready for a task like that, but Eric will not back down. As his father, he's concerned, but if he's going to survive, he needs to step it up. 
And then Shivani mentions the influx of young stars and new talent within WCW, including Two Cold Scorpio. Watts says that the fans are going to be the beneficiaries of all the action we see here in WCW. So um, the up-close segments are pretty good. Um, Watts was kind of all over the place in terms of the, the, the different comings and goings in WCW, but, I mean, that was, you know, because of shivani posing the questions but i thought this was a solid segment yeah he's trying to catch us up on things that were out of his control you know we get the exit of so many people at this time and they're kind of just trying to they're going for that youth as well here oh yeah it's people that we are unfamiliar with yeah but but at least the difference between this and what we talked about earlier with AEW is that they're 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 trying to give us a little more depth behind the people that they're introducing. Absolutely, you know give I mean? me a, the, a Orange Cassidy uh, rock vignette. Yeah, <laughs> you know, yeah. <laughs> I mean, shit that or, that worked for Van Hammer. I know his character. I know who he is now. You know. Yeah. I don't know. Yeah, he makes bad music videos, rides on a motorcycle, and. Has one groupie mm-hmm. um, because he his other eye is on the other groupies. Yes, yes, for sure. Um, we go to commercial. We come back from the break, and it's your main event of the evening, Mister Wonderful Paul Orndorff, accompanied by Medusa, taking on the WCW World Heavyweight Champion Ron Simmons. Mm-hmm. Uh, JR announces on commentary that Rick Rude and Ron Simmons is signed for the WCW World Heavyweight Title at Starcade 1992. Finally, we're gonna get that match. Nice. Talked about since fucking September. Um, Orndorff worked on Simmons for a little bit during this match with some rest holds for the majority of the time. Rear chin locks, head locks, even head scissor hold, which was interesting. Um, Orndorff pretty much the aggressor, as you would expect from the heel. Um, Simmons would counter with some power moves, um, but not able to maintain maintain control for a significant period of time in the match. Um, He would then deliver a power slam to Orndorff. Ref counts two as Medusa would slap Simmons in the face without the referee seeing it. Thought that was interesting. Um, Simmons goes to chase Medusa, but Rude shows up to pull Medusa away, and he gets hit by Simmons, who then is attacked from behind by Paul Orndorff. The action spills back into the ring with Orndorff ducking a clothesline, only to nail the referee. Ref bump, which you very rarely saw during this time period in all of wrestling. You didn't see ref bumps. Uh, Now there's a ref bump every fucking match. But, um, um... Where we got here? He hits um, the ref, ref bump. Yeah, he hits the ref, and then wonderful nails Simmons to the outside, where Rick Rude delivers a pile driver on the floor. Ugh. Rude leaves, and the referee counts out Ron Simmons. Mister Wonderful, the victor via a countout as we go to commercial break. Not bad stuff, though. No, it was. It, it was pretty good stuff. I liked it, and um, yeah, we'll, we'll 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 see how this progresses. You know, like new um, like. You know who reminds me of Orndorff for like the in-ring movement kind of now is Randy oh. Orton. Yeah, very calculated. Yeah, very calculated, yep. very similar type of holds too. Yep. Yeah. Just interesting that he would tag with his father years earlier. Yeah, that is interesting. Um we come back from the break with our last segment. Jim Ross is with Rick Rude Medusa, and he asks Rude why he attacked Ron Simmons. And Rude says that he was here to teach Ron Simmons a valuable lesson. Don't touch his woman. Oh, don't touch my con- woman. And he will continue teaching Ron Simmons that very valuable lesson at Starcade as Jim Ross signs us off for this one-hour condensed edition of WCW Saturday Night. Yeah, and you did a beautiful job running it down. It was a lot of matches, though, so, you know, not too much to see there. What do you think for this week? I'm going to go with Saturday Night. Yeah. I enjoyed it more than I did Superstars, that's for sure. I mean, Superstars was good. You had you had good follow-up from Survivor Series, but I liked Saturday Night better. Okay. Um, yeah, I'm actually going to go with um, superstars. I guess because I covered okay. it. I don't know. Yep. It's just, maybe that's why. Maybe that's why. Yeah. Because yeah. I put a little more thought into Super Saturday Night than I did Superstars this week. But yeah. Who knows? Yeah, it was just it was a regular wrestling show. I mean, there was a lot of like good stuff with Paul Orndorff and that finish there, and then we kind of get some matches announced uh, announced for uh, the upcoming Starcade card, which is cool. Yes. But, um, like I get again, uh, I'm just watching matches. So, yeah, uh, I guess for review's sake, I, I liked a lot of what WWF had to offer. 
Yeah. Um, so I guess that's it for this week, man. We got one more left, everybody. That's right. Next week, December the 5th, um, the, the season finale of Marking Out the Day's Weekend Warriors. Um, yeah. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. What's wh- wh- where are we gonna where are we gonna end off on season one with um, the, uh, the 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 comings and goings on Superstars on Saturday night? You'll have to tune in next week to find out. Absolutely. Thank you everybody for um, following along. Please rate, review, subscribe, like. If you um, dig this show, share it with somebody. Um, and Dave, you want to sign us off? We'll get out of here. Yeah, next week, season finale, December the 5th. I am Dave Rosenbluth. Tune in to Kicking Out at 2 each and every week, each and every Wednesday on the Retromania Pro Wrestling Podcast Network. We got the uh, All in the Kayfabe family. And next week, we have December to Dismember, The Blind Date Diaries, the worst pay-per-view ever. Find out how I think about that and then some next week on Kicking Out at 2. I am Dave Rosenbluth. This was Kobe Nida, and we will see you all next week right here on the season finale of Marking Off the Day's Weekend Warriors.